Spire. Spire. This is Starting Now, a show about change, resilience, and your next big idea. I'm Jeff Saris. Today I'm talking to Brian Gardner, the founder of Studio Press and the creator of the Genesis theme for WordPress. We dive into Brian's journey, how he started as a solo entrepreneur, what it was like to grow and build a large team, and then ultimately what it was like to sell his company. Let's get started. All right, so hey there, Brian. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being the very first guest on Starting Now. Well, I am absolutely honored to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff. And I look forward to talking about stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all the stuff. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking, like, we've known each other almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was, um, uh, in fact, on my Instagram feed the other day, just scrolling years back. Uh, and I'm sure you remember we used to to meet up a bunch of us just there at streets of Woodfield. And I'm like, man, that was so long ago. We look like such babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time really flies. Mm-hmm. And like so much has changed. And like we, like we talked about today, we're talking all about change and sort of what you've experienced through your, through your journey of starting out as an entrepreneur, going all the way through uh, building a large company and eventually the sale to the acquisition of mm-hmm. your company. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, why don't you just sort of give us a little background of who you are, sort of the the overview. Well, I am Brian Gardner. I'm the founder of Studio Press. Uh, prior to that, I was a project manager at an architectural firm. I am currently unemployable, and uh, there are a lot of ups and downs, lefts and rights uh, along the way. Yeah, I love that unemployable tag. It's just, mm-hmm. it's perfect. It really encapsulates like what we do. Yep. And um, so you were the founder of Studio Press. You're the mm-hmm. creator of Genesis and the Genesis theme for WordPress. And that was like, if if I remember correctly, that you were sort of the first person to have a premium WordPress theme, right? Yeah, that actually predates Genesis. Uh, that was the original theme was called Revolution uh, back mm-hmm. in the day when WordPress was notorious for just being a, a blogging platform. All the themes were free. Uh, I had done a, a custom design for somebody, a real estate agent in Boston. He uh, didn't want anything as comprehensive as it was. He just wanted a straight blog theme. And I took it a few steps further. And uh, and so I went to my audience and I said, hey, I, this was a rejected design. Would anybody buy a premium WordPress theme, which arguably coined the term? Uh, and when I got hundreds of comments and then I followed up with how much would you pay for a premium <laughs> WordPress theme? And hundreds of people told me how much they would pay. And uh, at that point, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there was possibly an opportunity here to make some money. Yeah, very cool. And so you were working a job while you were building the side hustle. Um, so was was the initial? It sounds like the initial thing was doing design and custom work for clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- I was freelancing, but I taught myself WordPress, how to CSS and style stuff, uh, and I had built a small following around WordPress while I was. Um, on the clock at uh, my day job and uh, mm-hmm. had some free time. And so I dabbled around in WordPress, taught myself some things. And then, you know, I, I had no intention ever on leaving that job or for anything to get as big as it did. It was really just, you know, making some side cash to, you know, go on vacations and things like that. But uh, when Revolution hit and took off, 
Uh, and by month three, I was generating $80,000 a month in sales. I thought to myself, wow. this is something that warrants my attention. Uh, so I quit my job. Shelly quit hers shortly thereafter. Uh, and the rest is history. Yeah, that is that is an amazing trajectory. I mean, three months in also, granted, like how much groundwork w- would you say was laid? How much time were you investing in building your community and like sort of building up your skills before that point? Not as much as one would think based on the numbers. A lot of that had to do with just being to the market first and, you know, what I ultimately call the accidental entrepreneur kind of lucked into that one, uh, which along the way, I know we'll cover some of the journey, but um, towards the middle and end of the journey, there was a little bit of anxiety around that. Like, was I lucky? Am I good? Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think those tied together too. I mean, mm-hmm. luck, like we make our own luck. I mean, really, if you didn't, if you weren't capable, if you didn't know what you were doing with that, I mean, honestly, that luck wouldn't necessarily have been the same. I mean, it, but timing, timing always does help. So who was, who was Brian at this point then? So you say accidental entrepreneur, you, you weren't really like, were you thinking that maybe one day you would break out on your own? Were you purely just like purely side, a side hustle for extra cash? Or was there ever that little nagging thought in your mind? And have you done anything before that? Any entrepreneurial uh, endeavors? No, 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 just running a little baseball card trading company, <laughs> like every oh, other twelve-year-old nice. kid back in the day. Uh, no, I had no uh, no business background or anything like that. Um, bailed out of college, didn't uh, get a degree. The job that I was at was given to me by a customer at a convenience store. You're local, so you remember White Hen Pantry. Uh-huh. I was a manager of that store. He offered me a job. I took it because it was way better than the hours I was working. Um, and in that job, I taught myself a lot about just computers and IT and things like that, which is kind of when I got my feet wet with just just technology. I mean, this is probably back in the mid 90s when this was all going down mm-hmm. uh, when I first got the job. And so I just I was happy there. It was a good job. I got health insurance, a couple of weeks vacation. Um, but then when the theme sales thing started taking off, I kind of at that point was getting restless. I'd been there about 10 or 12 years. And I had, and this was right when Paneras were opening up and like people were doing quote internet things at the you know coffee shops and stuff like that. So there was always a part of me that was kind of like, oh, this would be kind of cool to do this thing. This is what people do, <laughs> whatever this is. And uh, you know, I got into WordPress and started doing uh, the theme sales. And uh, when when the revenue started really coming in, I was like, okay, this is way more than just you know a few few bucks for vacation. And I. You know, I remember telling Shelly, we had a conversation around it. She wanted to be the one that left first. And I was like, look, it's financially irresponsible right now for me to keep the job that I'm at. I feel like this is now the next season of our life, my life, you know, as a business person uh, and and for my job. So um, so I kind of took the jump. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Chris Cree. I remember exactly where I was sitting when I was talking to him, kind of anxious about taking the leap of faith. And he's like, man, I, I jumped ship six years ago and uh, I haven't looked back. So uh, I remember having that conversation and just being like, well, here we go. It's time. Yeah, time to take the leap and get yep. started. Um, so what year was that then? I left, I think it was 2006, uh, maybe mm-hmm. 2007. I always get those confused. Uh, so it was mid-2000s at that point when I left and I was running Revolution. Theme sales were great. And then I got a cease and desist letter. <laughs> so I uh, contacted my intellectual property attorney, lawyer, uh, friend. And, uh, he said, you know, they probably have grounds to come after you. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was dumb as rocks when it came to business. I was just kind of doing what felt right. And like, I had no idea what, you know, trademark and any of that stuff was, uh, I was like, I just wanted to name 
something cool. And so uh, I had to rebrand Revolution, which I thought was, you know, the end of my life. Like, oh, my God, no one's going to, you know, whatever. But what I learned is when when you build a, a, a following, an audience of people, rat people, as Paul Jarvis calls them, uh, they follow you no matter what. And so I rebranded as Studio Press uh, pretty much without a hitch. Everybody came along. And uh, as we all know, Studio Press is still a thing. And two years ago, it became no longer my thing. Yeah, which, yeah, we're going <laughs> to jump ahead to that in a few minutes because that is quite a transition for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when, so, I mean, audience, that is, it's huge. I mean, that is, it's, I mean, like we've talked about, it's why I'm starting this podcast too. We, we've been sort of hidden behind the scenes for many years. So it's, it's high time to start connecting once again and trying to help the community that we're already selling products to, but really building a connection with them. So that's why we're here and talking to wonderful people like you. <laughs> so now from going from Revolution, then you branded, rebranded as Studio Press. Mm-hmm. How did you then, re, how did you connect with Brian Clark and Copyblogger? So at the time, uh, and there's some business lessons here in what I'm about to say, uh, when things were going well, there was another guy in the community, the WordPress community, uh, by the name of Chris Pearson. Uh, he had done a few free themes. I'd kind of looked up to him like a big brother kind of thing. Like I was, you know, oh, I want to be like Chris, right? Um, and so in order to to try to be friendly with him, I started divulging information about how much money I was making with WordPress themes. And so Chris, as a smart, savvy entrepreneur, uh, took that information and turned around and built a competitor. Um, so careful what you say and who you say it to, I guess is the point there. <laughs> Uh, so he had built a theme called Thesis, which was um, as Studio Press and Revolution kind of evolved into Genesis, they were sort of like the one-two uh, in the market. And uh, Chris was also smart enough to uh, come alongside Brian Clark, partner with him, who at the time had found a copy blogger. And so there was a big audience there, way bigger than I had. And so they really kind of left me in the dust. And um, Chris and Brian had differences of opinion in many things and uh, at some point when Genesis really became a thing and started gaining some traction, I think it caught the attention of Brian. And he realized at the time he just, you know, he, he no longer wanted to be partners with Chris. And he called me up one day and said, Hey, what do you think about, you know, teaming up? And, you know, I'm thinking about leaving Chris and we're going to form a bigger company. And, you know, at the time I was like, Hey, like the money was great, but I was a little bit afraid that um, competition was going to put me back. And so I thought to myself, I have a better chance of succeeding big picture and ultimately with revenue and how much I make by teaming up with Brian. And so we formed copy blogger media, the whole company, uh, that, it, you know, encompassed the blog, all the software products and the hosting. Yeah. Which eventually became quite, quite large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yep. when the employees got up to, um, tens, like yeah, and I tens think of employees, 50 to 60 was, I think at one point we had one of our company meetings and, we were all in like this big room and I was like, oh my God. I mean, there's a lot of weight. It's great when companies grow and things like that, but uh, there's a lot of weight and responsibility uh, on our shoulders as partners as I know Brian felt it um, as CEO of Copyblogger. And um, we kind of, you know, crashed under our own weight. Ultimately, it was what happened. And um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, it's a big challenge. I mean, every new, every employee that's added, you just mm-hmm. think you have to then support their their income, their salary. And yep. that, because people ask us a lot about like 
if we've if we've hired if we would hire and that's something that dave and i we always we want to stay super super lean because it's every dollar we make we split between the two of us if we had a third person we suddenly have to worry about paying them constantly and that i mean that changes things quite a bit um and speaking of employees so when did you did you hire anyone when you were doing studio press on your own or did you only work with people starting at studio press at starting at copy blogger forward yeah, I think there were three real employees, like payroll had to get all their information, that kind of thing. Uh, Craig Tuller, who was kind of CMO, COO at the time, uh, Rebecca Diamond was running support, and Nathan uh, Rice was um, programming and building Genesis and stuff like that, developing for for pretty much everything. And then outside of that, it was the rest of it was sort of contractor-based. And then, of course, when we formed the company, um, Right when we transitioned over, some of the people who I was paying as a contractor became employees of the company, like Rafal and uh, Daisy Olson. And so, um, yeah, so I think I had three, which which wasn't terrible uh, of a responsibility just because there was enough money to, to not have that be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, you, as a person who just never intended on being an entrepreneur, a small business owner, any of that stuff, I was learning every single day of what it meant to, to do any of that stuff. Absolutely. And those are huge changes. I mean, mm-hmm. going from working for a company to having your own company to having people yep. um, that you're then um, responsible for. That is, mm-hmm. that, that's a lot. It what is. would you say <laughs> in terms of that transition there? I mean, that, that was a big time, a big time of change from leaving your job through Copyblogger, mm-hmm. uh, through getting to Copyblogger. Yep. How would you say life changed? So going from uh, a day job to to your own thing to employees, you know, it, it, the easiest way to explain it was when I was working for somebody else, it was their responsibility. When I was doing it myself, it was my responsibility. And then when we moved into Copyblogger, it became our responsibility. So I went from like zero to a hundred to then you know there was five of us partners, so theoretically twenty percent. Uh, you know, but one of the other reasons why, aside just from a revenue and sort of competition standpoint, I chose to you know, form copy blogger with Brian and everybody else was, you know, there were things that I just wanted to offload responsibility wise. I didn't want to be doing taxes. I didn't want to be doing some of the other things. And I was like, Hey, if I do this move, I can just go do what I want to do, which was ultimately product, product and design. I was chief product officer. I didn't have to worry about doing taxes or counting or handling support or doing all of the things that are necessary, but just not what I wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. What would you say then would have was the sweet spot sort of for your because Copyblogger became very large. I mean, you had all the different products where Studio Press was one, um, one of the companies under the yep. umbrella. For Studio Press, did you find a sweet spot for employees? Like how many people that really felt manageable from your perspective and to balance everything? Yeah, I would say like the first the first five years of it all before we really introduced hosting and things of that nature. It was really just Studio Press and Copy Blogger. And then we had a, a small plugin called Premise uh, and Scribe. But for the most part, it was like those first five years. We had a smallish team, you know, uh, six, seven, eight of us kind of, you know, the, the thing about uh, our company was we had a lot of people who sort of played a role in different lines of, the same role across many lines of business. So it wasn't like, we had a studio press this person and then a copy blogger that person. You know, we had, you know, Daisy who handled support for both. And so it's hard to quantify, hey, we've had only five employees with studio press. There were five or six or seven people who 
whose part-time role it was to participate their duties within a comp- within a studio press, but uh, it never really needed anything really, really big. It just, you know, it was a, we, we developed themes, we sold them, we supported them. Um, unlike with hosting and some other things uh, that, that came on later, especially Rainmaker, which became a really uh, sort of resource intensive uh, endeavor. And we learned a ton through uh, the couple of years that Rainmaker was a thing. Yeah, that was that was a big, big product. I mean, I remember the launch, like going to the event, like mm-hmm. and seeing you guys out in... I think that was Denver. Denver, yeah. And yeah, you had your con. I mean, you had several authority conferences with thousands yep. of people that would show up, and you launched Rainmaker there, which was the all-encompassing platform, sort of a repackaging of WordPress that mm-hmm. then became this this premium hosting, premium platform. Um, that seemed like an inflection point for the company when things really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, would you? Is that so? Looking back, what would you say are the biggest takeaways from doing that? From really I mean, jumping leaps and bounds really into this this hosting world. Yeah, first of all, the hosting space is very competitive, very uh, low margin, very a lot of different types of things. It's it's not what it was now, which is where hosting companies like WP Engine, we'll get to this in a minute, um, becomes like all encompassing platforms themselves. We were a small company trying to do way too many things. Uh, Rainmaker in theory was a, was a brilliant idea could have been executed well if it was our only thing. And of course, higher margins, but you know, we were like studio press was a really big brand. Copy blogger was a really big brand. And so when Rainmaker came up, it not only sort of cannibalized a lot of our efforts, it took a lot of our resources kind of away from some of the other things, uh, and, and was supposed to be the thing that carried us into the future, but, um, it had a huge anchor and, we felt it and, and we did a lot of great things with Rainmaker. The idea of Rainmaker, uh, the the podcast network that we launched, um, there was a lot of good things that came out of it, but it was just, uh, I think we bit off a little more than we could chew. Yeah, that that is the challenge. It's something that I'm dealing with right now with uh, quarantine. I mean, there's a little more opportunity, opportunity mm-hmm. of time for me and trying to start this podcast, which I wanted to start so long ago, <laughs> starting this, starting <laughs> to produce content and doing all these things. I'm sort of hitting my point and realizing mm-hmm. like, like how much can I actually, can I actually take on? And I mean, that, that was an interesting time really, like from my perspective to really watch and see how everything has changed. Cause Rainmaker was, I mean, it's a great product. It was a great product and it was a great idea, but it was, it I think it came from that idealism that we share, like you and I, and let like, I know like Brian Clark and just sort of entrepreneurial idealism where it's like, well, no, we're going to take this and make it amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to do well. We're going to make it amazing. And then sometimes we have to dial it back and realize, oh, we made this, we took this from this point to that, but now we have to, we have to support this. We have to continue development. We have to, we've added a lot, many more moving parts that maybe we didn't, anticipate we're going to move quite so much throughout mm-hmm. the journey um i know for us that's one of the big things being just just the two of us trying to keep moving parts to a minimum but yep. but that's not that's not the easiest task to uh, to to figure out to solve the easiest yep. problem to solve um but yeah so then i think i'm going to jump forward just right onto the sale because i mean we you went through, you built this big company year over year. I mean, things were pretty, pretty strong, pretty stable, mm-hmm. but I mean, it is again, just a lot to manage. What was the impetus for 
um, for the sale, for reaching out and seeing if someone want to, want to acquire Studio Press? So I would say probably about three years from when we sold Studio Press, we, you know, like Rainmaker was becoming a thing. We started to feel the weight of everything. Um, sales in general, revenue through all of the the channels that we had just, you know, I think at that point, the, the internet marketing and uh, WordPress theme sort of worlds had been maturing, more competition, lower price, like things just started to sort of change and transition. So uh, for us, revenue started dipping. And so we we had to do a few layoffs, which was absolutely brutal. Um, some of my closest friends, people that have been around from almost the beginning of it all, uh, we had to lay off and that was heartbreaking. Uh, and so that was sort of the first iteration of, okay, this it's not just going to be like, you know, this forever. It's not going to be happy-go-lucky. We're all making money and things are great forever. And there's a reality involved that, you know, there are waves that happen uh, in the internet and the, the longevity of a business where, uh, things aren't, you know, like it starts to slow down and things like that. And so um, one of the things we had decided to do was we had just too many lines of business within the company. We had Copyblogger, we had Rainmaker, we had Synthesis Hosting, we had Studio Press, uh, the Podcast Network, we had Launched Digital Commerce. There were so many things that we were kind of doing. Uh, and when we were trying to figure out if we wanted to either sell the company or bring in investments, we had gone multiple rounds with multiple folks who had ultimately in the end said, you know what, we're just not interested in, in the whole thing. Like, you know, X company wanted just this section of the company, but it, they were all sort of married up with one another. Uh, so we had decided to make the um, the transition at least as the first step from taking synthesis, the hosting, and kind of rolling that into the Studio Press brand. And we called that Studio Press Sites. And we were like, well, if we could just kind of dial things back a bit and sort of segment the lines of business, they'd be easier to hand off at that point. Uh, and so we had started to do that. We had launched studio press sites. Things were going fairly well. Uh, and then Brian Clark and I went to WordCamp US down in Nashville in 2017, I think is when it was. Um, and we were, we had been kind of talking about what we should do with studio press and all of that. Uh, and he had made a comment when we were at dinner one night that led me to believe he didn't think I wanted to sell it. And so I looked over across the table at him at the steakhouse there in downtown Nashville. And I said, Brian, I don't think you know this but I'm ready to sell Studio Press. And he was trying to be considerate, right? I was the founder of Studio Press. He the founder of Copyblogger. So he understood sort of, you know, getting rid of your baby and things of that nature. And so he just wanted, you know, he didn't want to push that on me. Uh, but when I told him I was ready, uh, that next morning we woke up and we hit the circuit there at WordCamp US and started talking to, um, you know, our internal sort of network of people that we knew in high places, uh, predominantly in the, the hosting space. And we reached out to about five people, had multiple conversations, uh, and WP Engine was one of them. Strangely, uh, they were not at the top of my list. Uh, in fact, they were towards the bottom of my list, uh, just because I was naive and didn't know that much about them. I sort of prejudged them from the outside. But uh, as we started to you know, hear back from them, we realized they were taking this conversation very seriously. They valued it very fairly. And we realized that this was a partner we wanted to move forward with. Yeah. And then you went on to, so you've had several big, just major changes throughout, mm -hmm. throughout this journey. I mean, you went to a solo entrepreneur, employees, big company. Now suddenly you sold your company yep. and you were on as, was it a consultant? Yeah, it was a con contract based thing. I told them I was unemployable. I said, you know, part of the whole deal when we were talking is, you know, one of the stipulations is I had two stipulations. One that our team comes over and stays with them. Like, in other words, we're not selling it and then everybody gets fired. So I said, my, 
our people are important to me. And so you're taking the product, the community, but you also need to take the people. Uh, the other one was, I am not hireable. I don't want to work, not because it's WPNs and I just didn't want to work for anybody. So I said, I want to start to kind of figure out what I want to do again in my next life. Uh, and I'm more than happy to stay on sort of in a transitional period to help sort of alleviate the anxieties of the community because a lot of people were running businesses that were based on Genesis. And so we knew that that was something we had to handle very carefully. Uh, and so I had, I had set up for an 18-month contract to um, kind of help with the transition and just still be a part of the project. And so uh, so that was yet another role I played, which was contractor you know, to a big company. Yeah. And emotionally, how did that, did it, did that affect you? Because this was, I mean, what, 10, 12 years, this was like your baby, the, the thing that you'd built like your life around. Um, how did that feel? It was, it was strangely almost anticlimactic at the time we had the last, you know, year and a half of, of before we sold, um, the company itself had sort of what I jokingly think to myself is infiltrated the studio press brand where we had copy blogger people coming over and doing podcasts and doing things, you know, marketing on the studio press side to where it was already like, okay, now I'm kind of separating myself, you know, emotionally from this because this is, I don't get to run this anymore. Right. I'm a steward of the brand. Uh, but we had, you know, Jared came over and he had started a podcast, I think along with Sean and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, it was easy to start to kind of detach myself a little bit. So by the time we sold it, it was, um, it was time. 10, 12 years owning something, yes, is, is endearing, uh, but it's also very tiring. And so I was ready at that point to move on, um, you know, to other things. And so, and I knew I felt comfortable putting it in the hands of WP Engine. So. Yeah, that daily grind nonstop. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you were, I mean, you were on social, you were, you were doing everything building that brand for so many years. Like as, yep. I mean, you're arguably still the face of the, of that brand, even though you're not associated with it anymore. Just, yeah. I think you always will be. Um, if you were to go back to sort of pre studio press, Brian, what might you tell him? So, so sort of like hindsight, being what it is, is there anything that you would maybe not do differently, but that you would inform him about just to understand that this is coming, understand that like what you're going to have to consider moving forward? There would probably be a lot of um, like checking of pride is one thing. Like you're going to find many opportunities to be prideful about many things. Uh, and, and to be humbled and, and all of that. And I've really tried to stay as humble as I can through all this. I don't feel at all I'm seen from the outside as this arrogant type of person. Um, you know, but I think one of the biggest lessons is sort of understanding the role I play within each of the things that I do. Um, and to, to understand that no matter what I'm doing, I'm still a person and I'm still an individual and I, I lost myself kind of willingly, um, I say sometimes to some of my closer friends that I felt like I started to develop codependency tendencies, you know, within business where I was afraid to do my own thing. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. It was easy to kind of coast along, you know, from a, um, just from a, a positivity standpoint when things are going well and, you know, you didn't have to do all day, everyday work anymore because the brand was kind of carrying itself. Uh, and I got lazy, I, you know, to be quite honest, it was easy to say, okay, 
I can just kind of kick my feet up and just like coast along with the company and do these things. And then kind of we hit some rough waters and I was like, yeah, it's fine. We got five partners and, you know, revenue still coming in. And then we sold it. And then I was part of the transition for a while. And then when I, you know, this past December, when that, that contract ended, it was eerily quiet. And I was like, this is what I wanted, but it's also very lonely. And so, um, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I mean, entrepreneur life can be very lonely at times. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're sitting in our homes doing everything. We don't like, we don't technically need to see any humans with the kind of stuff that we do. Like mm-hmm. we could very, very easily go months at a time doing everything over the internet. Not even yeah. like, not even doing video chats, not even doing that. Um, it's, it's definitely not something that our biology is like geared for. It's right. very different. But so speaking of that transition now, I mean, you are, you have like, you have your name, you have your platform, but you're, you're essentially starting, like you're starting something mm-hmm. completely new now, a new journey, a new chapter in your life. A lot of people right now are dealing with major change with COVID-19, the pandemic, the um, inevitable pivot that they're going to have to make in their lives, maybe because of jobs changing, jobs being downsized. Um, how are you approaching this time now that you're, you're in this as well? I look of it, I look at it kind of as a challenge. Like I realized that the COVID-19 thing has sort of introduced this whole new spectrum of like all kinds of people that are going to be in our space. Um, but that also sort of inflects at the same point where I feel like, you know, I've been around the internet for 15 years now. Right. And so, and as a Gen Xer, I starting to feel like sort of the creep of the generations behind us, the ones with more time, more ambition, better ideas, things of that nature. There's, there's a whole slew of these designers and creators where, you know, 10 years ago, it was a handful of us doing our thing back mm-hmm. in the day. Competition was small. Everybody else was working a day job, but now it's like, you kind of look over your shoulder and you're like, not only, I mean, I'm prepared to handle, um, what lies ahead. I've got the experience to handle what lies ahead, you know, but my biggest concern was after the sale of studio press, would I still be relevant? Would, would my name still matter to people in the WordPress space or, uh, the entrepreneurial space? And, you know, will I be seen like, did I, did I coast too long towards the end where people kind of forgot about me and realized who is this guy? Like a lot of people, WordPress has grown so much. So many people in WordPress have no idea who I am. Yet in my head, I tell myself the story. Everyone knows who I am. I started the premium WordPress theme space and people are like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I look forward to, um, to sort of just entering, uh, you know, I'm 45 now and sort of, and I think Brian Clark's kind of in that same period I am, which is like, what is the next life for us mean? The next season of our life. We're not going to just go back and do the same thing we did 15 years ago or 10 years ago. It just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to sort of keep up with these young ones, you know, who are on TikTok and, you know, growing YouTube channels and doing all of these things that I, I don't even know what they are sometimes. Like I got to go look that up because I don't want to be <laughs> that guy who doesn't know that thing. Uh-huh. So, but you know, again, I, I have a passion for what I do. I love to design. I love entrepreneurial journeys. I love, you know, helping and teaching and growing communities. I feel like you know, email is the cornerstone of any smart business. And so I feel like there's things that are in place there. I've got a huge network of people to work with. And so that will help throttle, you know, me into my next venture. Yeah. And I think that's comforting too, for people like people just starting out too. It's mm-hmm. like the relevancy is, is a big question. I think just that's sort of all in our minds. Like how do we stay relevant? How do we sort of stay in the, the public space enough 
where our business can benefit. I mean, because it is, we, we buy from people who we know, like, and trust, you know, and if, Mm -hmm. if we don't have those three things going for us, how do we actually keep going? I think it's, I think it's rather comforting probably for people to know that even someone like you, who's, you've been doing this, I mean, for many years now, and you've built quite an audience and done all these things, but you still, of course, question that as well. Like who, who knows? And I like that you said the generation sort of coming up behind us because it is mm-hmm. so interesting. Like, I don't know, we started Spire when I was in like my late 20s. Like you started like late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. There's a different drive and energy at that time. I don't know, at least for me, I'm I'm assuming you might have a similar a similar feeling. But like at that time, I was just go, go, go. Like Dave and I were taking all these like before people had their faces on everything. We're going out taking like environmental photos and really crafting a brand of us. Like I remember when we started, it was, that's actually, well, to rewind a bunch, we were working with uh, men with pens and we weren't starting, we weren't like breaking out and starting our own thing, but we had all, Dave and I had already done side work separate from that company. And I remember I went to New York, saw Dave for a weekend. We launched our site. It was uh, web design. We don't do it. We live it. And we had all these photos like throughout New York City, like standing under the, under the um, not the L, but whatever they call it, um, yeah. subway. Um, and standing under the train, like photos here, photos there. But at that time, people weren't really doing that. It was, it was a different thing. So it resonated. And then I, it was funny. I remember you saw it and I was just like, oh yeah, like don't bring it up. We're not trying to promote it or anything. But then you're like, I kind of have to. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then that sort of that was our little nudge into Dave and I being 100% solo, you know, like well, yeah. a duo, but solo on our own. And which worked out well. Like, I mean, that is that was the trajectory we were on. It was it just happened a little sooner than we anticipated. But um, yeah, things it's such a different time then. like sort of personally for me, it was a different I was a different me creating this brand. And now trying to get back and be public I'm not necessarily I have the drive like all the drive and entrepreneurial stuff is there but I think it's that naivete that is missing so it's a different Mm -hmm. like everything has much more strategy and much more planning because I understand the trajectory like we've built our stuff we've worked with with rather big brands over the years and we've built things so we know we sort of know what's in store where Maybe we're not throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks as much anymore, which could be good to a degree. We're not wasting time, but at the same time, we're missing those like those gems, the things that we might not have otherwise that that we might not do now that we might have tried before. And like, oh, people actually like this. This is this is something that connects in a way to a way to get out there. But yeah, I totally relate to that. Like the generations (laughs) coming up behind. It's an it's interesting. And like. For this community, that's, I mean, starting now, the whole the whole concept behind this podcast is really, um, it's as much for me as the community. It's like, no, no, I just want to get started. I need to do this. I've been planning this forever. I'm just going to start now and see what happens. We're starting to talk to people. I say we, I. <laughs> but I'm talking to people like you who, who are awesome and have done like amazing things and really trying to see. So what can what can we learn? I mean, for me, for, for Spire, but also for our community, people just starting out. Um, for someone that you would say is just starting out and maybe a Gen Xer like you, what would yeah. you, do you have any sort of advice on how they could start building a community? Because I mean, community is, that's, that's the lifeline. 
Yeah, I and I'm going to heed my own advice here. I, I know this advice because I've done it. But again, having been sort of lazy and back at the beginning of this process again, I look and, and it seems like the, the uphill angle is a little bit steeper now, right? Because of all the kids mm -hmm. that are behind us and whatnot, <laughs> you know, but uh, and I've been asked this sort of question over the, what advice do you give people who are new and all that kind of stuff um, as a runner? Uh, I use the illustration of the marathon and the wall when you hit the wall, um, because no doubt in any, whether it's running, whether it's, you know, starting a business, whether it's, you know, going to school or doing whatever, there's always a point or many points. Um, usually it's like a season, a season where you're like very clearly like I'm done. I want to throw in the towel. Uh, this isn't working. Uh, I don't have what it takes, things of that nature, um, to, to break through it. Uh, I am a, short to mid distance runner. I half marathons are my sweet spot, 13.1 miles. Uh, and so for years I had heard my wife, Shelly, uh, you know, her, she had, she's run six marathons. And so been around running enough to know that there is a thing called the, like the real runner's wall, right? Not just the sort of the, you know, what we call the entrepreneurial wall. Uh, and so a few years ago, I decided to finally do a longer race. It was a 20 mile race and I was at mile 17. And for the first time, I was literally like in the eye of the hurricane, right? I felt literally like, oh my God, this is actually the wall. I've heard about the wall. I've done it through business, but I'm literally running right now. And all I want to do is stop and cry and curl up, <laughs> um, you know, and you don't, you know, you get through it. You're like, okay, I know this is what it is, but I know that there's a finish line. I know it's not far and things of that nature. And so you take that over to the business side of things and you have days or weeks or sometimes even months where you're like, this is it. I'm done. This isn't working. Uh, I'm going to go back and work for somebody else. I'm going to do something else. And uh, my biggest piece of advice is to always at least give it the college try, at least try to stick with it and to not give up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is that consistency, that longevity where really we push through. I mean, we get longevity from doing, from every day. There's, there's a quote that I keep at the top of my to-do list and um, I'm going to butchered a little bit, but um, it's from Paul Graham. It was just a tweet, but um, he's like a technologist, I think the founder of Y Combinator, but mm -hmm. um, it's just the doing more will find your life's purpose, just like water finds the hole in your roof. And it's right along those lines. And I really feel like it's it's that doing, it's that figuring out and maybe like purpose can be too grand of a grandiose of a concept here, but really the more we do, the more we figure out sort of what path is it that we want to pursue? Because I think a lot of us are living lives that we're just, we've been at some point been told this is what we're supposed to do and yep. maybe stuck in a job or staying somewhere because of like the schooling that we paid for. But maybe there is this other thing that we want to slowly build up on the side, a little side hustle, not quitting a job and starting from zero, but mm -hmm. like, like you did. I mean, you built a serious business, like like revenues that are probably mind blowing for anyone listening to this, you know, and that's, it's amazing then because you, you're the perfect example of like building, building that net, building the foundation before you jump. I mean, which is, I think extremely important. I think a lot of times people want, they want the shortcuts, you know, I mean, yeah. you invested the time you, you invested in the community, in the product, in all of it. And then you're like, okay, this is, this is the time now I can move forward. I can, I can really pursue this and go all in. But yeah, I think that's really commendable and really, really valuable. So I will follow that up with um, all of those things you said are true. 
I, I will follow up the second piece of advice, which I will give. Um, I mean, ask anybody in professional sports or in Hollywood or a WordPress guy, uh, don't assume it will last. That's the other thing, right? Don't get too comfortable. Don't assume just because it is today this $80,000 a month thing. That's just how the next you know X amount of months are going to go. Because uh, you get too comfortable, uh, things happen, people come into the picture, like things change quickly, especially in our day and age with the internet stuff. People, you know, coronavirus comes and just wipes off companies <laughs> like oh, in yeah. a day, in a day. And so always sort of be prepared and, and just understand that, you know, you always have to sort of have con- not contingency plans, but just making sure that, you know, your house is built on a solid foundation and things of that nature and to like really tap into the skill sets that brought you there and to keep them current, right? Because technology changes and all of that stuff. Uh, and so that's sort of where I'm at now. Where I'm like, okay, like, what do I know? And how will that work applied to with what's going on now? And, you know, communities and, you know, the ecosystem looks differently and stuff like that. So um, always be on your toes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the perfect encapsulation of of this podcast too. I mean, resiliency, yeah. that's that's at the core of what what I'm hoping to help people like determine like how to how to craft a more resilient life, be able to deal with change. I mean, we're in one of what's probably set to be the most dramatic change that any of us will experience in our lifetimes. I mean, right now it's is it it's big. I mean, so much has already changed. But yep. um so to jump forward just a little then to what you're doing right now. I know <laughs> I know it's coming soon, but um you had you had mentioned a little a little thing about email um earlier. Uh, I did. I did that on purpose. Uh, it, was a, it was a breadcrumb for our, our, our encounter. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, there are a few things in life that are um, almost certain. Properties, taxes, and death, and all of those things, of course, are kind of the jokes of what will always be. But um, one thing I think that will always be, or at least a very significant part of anybody's um, way of life, whether it be personally or from a business perspective, is email. It is the direct path from one person to another. Uh, as Paul Jarvis calls it, it's like it's a personality. It's a personal thing. Like you can talk to one person uh, via email. Social media is great and can be used very well for many things. Uh, but email, I mean, it's I mean, there's stats all over the place. It converts however many times better than social media. But uh, it's it's a communication. It's a, it's like our front door to our world and uh, the world in which the people we talk to. And so um, I loved doing what I did with Studio Press and WordPress. As we all know, WordPress is sort of transitioning itself into uh, a different type of way to build websites and just tiring sometimes. You know this, you built Genesis themes. I mean, just to accommodate all of the, the sort of nuances that come with software and all of the, the plugins that are like, it just, you know, zillions of people using it, they're going to use it in different ways. And so, um, so you know, in the matter of simplicity, uh, I am working on a little project that is at its core, very, very simple, almost stupid, simple. Uh, but it's also very important. It helps people, uh, use email in their business to grow their business, uh, helps them tell their story, uh, helps them build an audience and things like that. So a uh, little bit cryptic, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it won't be too long, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, probably uh, shortly after this, this podcast launches, this episode mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah. Well, you're probably going to make an announcement. So where would you say people should follow along to um, get, learn more about you and maybe then learn about the next thing? So everything that's coming out of me right now is literally coming from my personal accounts. Uh, my website is briangardner.com. 
I am pretty much B Gardner and all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, things of that nature. And so uh, I share a lot uh, in social media, Instagram stories, I'll just, you know, designs and what's going on in my life, uh, mainly from the business side of things, but uh, just things I'm working on. So uh, the, the main socials is where people can follow along. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And they can probably hop on your email list like yep. at com to know exactly when, when the new thing launches. Correct. And yeah. I mean, that is like, like you said, email <laughs> is so valuable that, and that's exactly why, like why I started finally emailing our list. We've built a list for a decade. Yep. And I think I looked and the last time I had emailed was August of 2013. So I went from uh, August, 2013 to, um, what was it? March, 2020. Which is not how you should do email. If I just thinking, if I would have been keeping up with everyone for all those years, there would be right. such such a connection with the community that I'm just. But I'm starting now. This is where we go. This is where we're going. Yeah, they um, say. Uh, yeah. but there's two uh, two the two best days to plant a tree are 20 years ago and today. Right. So mm-hmm. don't use the fact that you didn't plant it 20 years ago to not plant one today. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really excited for for the email project. And um, yep. yeah, I'm I'm sure people listening too will be as well. But anyway, yeah, I'm not going to take more of your time. Thank you so much for doing this. Mm-hmm. And My pleasure. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. <laughs> See ya. Take care. A big thanks goes out to Brian Gardner for joining me today. Be sure to follow Brian on all the socials at bgardner and on his website, briangardner.com. This episode is brought to you by Built. Your website, built for you, simply. Built is our platform for building WordPress websites. We offer minimalist WordPress themes, uh, built VIP hosting. We help you and get started and rolling on your next project. So go to built.co, that's B-Y-L-T dot C-O to learn more. That is built.co. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. As always, this is starting now. I'm Jeff Saris, and I hope that this inspired you to get started on your own project. See ya.